Welcome to 90% Mental. I'm your host, Graham Parr, and thank you for joining us for our 34th episode. You know, typically when I start each episode on my show, I always say something like, I can't wait to talk about this topic, or this is my favorite topic, which is true for the most part, but today this topic is probably one of my favorite topics. I think this topic is really, really crucial in all sports, mainly in team sports, but also in individual sports as well, but it's the next man up mindset. And I can't stress that being a backup, being third string, is really, really important to a team. And we all know that that being a starter is crucial too. But I want to talk about today, like, what does a backup have to do to get mentally, physically, and emotionally prepared for the moment? Whether if you're filling in for a play, filling in for the rest of the, the game, or you're filling in for the rest of the season. And how does someone mentally get prepared and not get scared or fearful for that moment? So so today, my guest is Tony Graziani, who is a former NFL quarterback who played for the Atlantic Falcons, who had an incredible career in the Arena Football League. He actually, at one time, was the highest paid player in the league and also had an incredible career at Oregon University when he played college football. And I also had an opportunity to play against him in high school. So I've seen him be the man, not be the man, be the man, not be the man, and then be the man. And he talks about his journey of what he had to go through to mentally and physically and emotionally get himself prepared for all these different transitions. But one thing that he really talks about that he thinks it's really important, it's about the inner dialogue. It's about how healthy is your your self-talk. And he says there's going to be times where you think you should be starting, but you're not, and you get down on yourself, or you get pissed off about the coaches, or whatever the dynamics are, he says the number one thing that's going to get you through that situation, or weather the storm, is how you talk to yourself. So he talks about that, and we both talk about, it's not about listening to yourself in those situations, it's about talking to yourself. So he has an incredible story, he shed some light on a few things that I didn't even think about, what a quarterback has to deal with, when they're actually the second string. So again, can't wait for you to, to hear his story and hear his thoughts on this mindset. So let's go talk to Tony. Hey, Graz, how are you? Good, Grant, how you doing? Doing awesome, man. I, I, I'm really excited to have you on my show for many reasons. Uh, one reason because of the topic we're gonna talk about, which is the next man up mindset, which you, know, you and I both know what that means, being both quarterbacks and and the mindset that you have to have to get prepared. So, you know, with your journey sure. through your college career and your professional career in the NFL and also in the World League and the Arena League, I think it's going to be a, a really cool story to hear as far as how you dealt with adversity, being prepared, being the man, mm-hmm. then being the backup man, and then being the man. So I can't wait to hear your story. Yeah, there were some ups and downs, that's for sure. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But before we get into that, I love to ask this question to kind of to, to get the show started here. What does mentally tough mean to you? Um, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty broad deal, but I think you can narrow it down to um, it's not, you know, what happens to you as far as adversity. It's how you, it's how you deal with it. And um, I think being mentally tough is, you know, it's easy to be mentally tough when things are going great. But when things are going down or bad, how you react to those situations is what I think uh, separates the, the greats to the, just the averages. Absolutely. And can you look back at any part of your career? Was there a moment, that a mentally tough moment, that either you just remember or it defined who you were as an athlete? 
Well, I think what kind of turned the corner for me was my first start in college. Um, the start was in my sophomore year, and the starter went down with staph infection. So I get to practice on Wednesday, and we're playing Saturday, and we're playing USC down in the Coliseum uh, when I was playing for the Ducks. And um, we were 2-2 two and two at the time, and um, I think we were underdogs by 30 points going in with the, with, uh, the starter wow. playing. And then once they found out I was starting, they took the line off the board in Vegas because everybody was loading up on USC. Right. Um, and so going into that week, you know, obviously I thought I was going to be the backup and he practiced the first two days, got the staff infection on Wednesday. And so I've basically had, you know, two days to prepare. Thankfully I'd been preparing as a starter you know, you hear that term a lot. You know, the backups have to prepare like they're starting anyway. Right. Um, but I really did. I really did take that to heart, and ended up going down there and beating them 22 to seven, and that uh, kind of set us off on the journey to the Rose Bowl, where we ended up playing Penn State. But, uh, but yeah, I think that that pretty much sums up and and uh, my start of my journey as kind of taking it to the next level. Wow. And who was the quarterback that you were backing up? Uh, it was Danny O'Neill. He was uh, he was the senior starter, four year starter. He ended up getting staph infection. I don't know how, maybe from the turf or something. And then so he was in the hospital, and I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm up. Next man up. I mean, that's typically what you know what what, what you're talking about. And you know, I I think that I had a lot of faith, or the guys had a lot of faith in me, which helped. You know, obviously it's not a one man show, so you know everybody rallied around me, and and we were able to go down and and beat them pretty good, and that kind of gave the whole team confidence to for the rest of the year that, Hey, we can do this. And, uh, kind of set, uh, kind of set that Oregon program, not to where it is today. Cause it's phenomenal now, but you know, that was kind of the start of our, our ascent to the top. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, I've been there and I've seen it. I've been part of teams um, and coach teams, but it's, it is awesome when you have that second, the second stringer that comes in and acts as if they've been playing the whole game or acts mm-hmm. as if they've been, you know, they just know their role and, that what it does to a team's morale and the culture is incredible. Not only is it right. incredible to, to see the culture and the team change, but what it does for that person's confidence. Yeah, no, and I think I think that's a great point. And I think one of the things that you know helped me was the fact of the way I did prepare and the way I did practice and the way I did you know support the team and the starter um, when I was the backup. And and so when I did become the starter that week. And for the next couple of weeks after that, everybody was fired up because they knew I could get the job done. If I would have just been a slacker and been pouting and like, oh, man, I'm not starting, so I'm not going to really try this week, then I think we would have had a whole different mindset. The team would have had a whole different mindset going into that game. But since I did prepare, I I was a hard worker. I did support everybody in the starter that, you know, once it did become my team, they everybody was you know had a lot of confidence in me that I can get the job done because they'd seen it in practice. Right, right, absolutely. Well, I I always when I'm working with athletes, I always in teams, I always bring this up. The hardest position we all know the hardest position in any sport is pretty much the quarterback position. Right. But I think in in any sport, I think the hardest position is being the backup because you have to be audible, ready. You have to be you have to be prepared in a moment's notice, whether if you're just going in for a play. You're going in, right. you know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. you know, the quarterback for Alabama last year, you know, Tua, when he came mm-hmm. in. I mean, he mm-hmm. that was a beautiful, beautiful example of someone just stepping in as a true freshman. Right. No, and that's it's a testament to him. And I know he did get there in spring, but he'd only been there basically, you know, eight or nine months. And, and 
you could kind of see the guys were fired up that he was going in because he had shown in practice, you know, you read reports or you hear stories that he had shown in practices and scrimmages that he, that he was a good player. And so when they finally called his number, he was ready and it really energized that whole football team. And I think that's a, you know, that's a testament to him and it's a testament to, to coach Saban in that program that uh, he had enough faith in what Tua could do to put him in that situation. Yeah. A hundred percent. Well, when you think about the next man up, um, what does it take to have the next man up mindset? Yeah, you know, it's tough. You know, you, I, went, I went from, you know, starting in high school to be, you know, a big fish, you know, in a small pond and you're the man and then you get to college and it's like, oh, geez, I've got, I'm competing against five guys and I'm not the man anymore. And it's, you know, and you're competitive. So you, you kind of, you get it. You, you get down a little bit, you get down on yourself and you're like, mom, you know, maybe I can't do it. And, you know, I'm not starting. So you, you really have to kind of pull yourself up by the bootstraps and, and just think of that mindset of the next man up. You know, I, I was fortunate enough to, I was the, I came in and did pretty well and became the backup right away, which kind of helped my confidence. But then again, it's like, I'm one hit away from going in or I'm, you know, one interception or if he is playing bad, I've got to be ready. And I've always thought that I don't want to embarrass myself, my team, my family. So I wanted to always be prepared. Um, and that, that carried on into the NFL where I, <clears throat> you know, by mid season of my rookie year, I worked my way up to be the backup there. And I really had to be ready because Chris Chandler, the starter in Atlanta always got hurt. So I was <laughs> like, definitely don't want to, you know, make a fool of myself on national TV. So that was kind of always my mindset of I've, I've got to be ready. Right. And when you go through the ups and downs, especially when you're in, you know, the backup position, what do you think contributed to your mindset to keep you prepared and balanced and, and ready at any at moment at a moment's notice? Yeah, I think it's the competitiveness. Um, and, and you always think that you're better than the guy in front of you. I mean, I, anybody who says they don't, you're, you know, you probably shouldn't be playing. So um, I always thought that I, you know, once I got my chance, I wanted to prove to everybody, the coaches, to my teammates, to even myself that, hey, I can get this job done and I can, you know, uh, play better or just as good as the starter. Right. You got, you got to have that mindset. I mean, if, especially, totally. especially totally. you're at the elite level when you're at you know, the NFL level. For sure. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that's it's it's the thing. It's you know, I I know I wasn't as physically talented as Chris Chandler, and I knew he had more experience. But then again, I was like, you know, I'm here for a reason, and I need to, if I go in, play just as good, if not better, than he is. Right. Well, when you think of having a, a healthy dialogue or a, a healthy inner dialogue, do you think that's mm -hmm. important, especially when you're in that second string, third string, to and I always say this with athletes, don't listen to yourself, but talk to yourself, you know, have more command right. of your thoughts. Because I can, I can only imagine like going through that process, it can be lonely and you can get frustrated and, and totally. you know, so, you know, is it fair to say that you have to, you know, have a, you should have a, a healthy inner dialogue to kind of deal with that, that process. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That inner monologue, the inner dialogue, whatever you want to call it is huge. And I think that's for, uh, for any athlete. Um, and that's where the confidence comes from. Um, it, because it is, especially when you're the backup or your third string, it's real easy to get down. It's real easy to get down on yourself. It's real easy to just kind of throw in the towel and say, okay, I don't really have to worry. I don't have to watch extra film. I'm not going to get in anyway. 
that's where the self-dialogue comes in, and that's where the you kind of have to pump yourself up and do a little Tony Robbins, you know, speech <laughs> right. to yourself going, hey, all right, man, come on, Gross, pick yourself, let's do this. Like, But I've always found that, you know, work kind of is a good distraction for those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So when I started feeling down, um, and I don't know where I learned this or how, how I learned it, but once I started, you know, you get down like mid-season, say you hadn't played in a while, or I, as I found watching film, going and lifting weights, uh, going and working at throwing extra balls to the receivers, I felt that really helped me um, kind of pull myself out of the doldrums. Absolutely. Well, it, well, considering that, you know, because I can only imagine there's times where you're going to have a negative inner dialogue. Was there right. ever a time where it got too much for you, where you just said, you know what, I've been playing this game long enough, I'm, I'm just, I want to quit. Did you get to that point? No, I was fortunate enough because you don't really want to quit in the NFL because you're making a lot of money. Oh, right. <laughs> so you want to you want to stay around as long as possible. You know, I, w- I would say, but I to to your point. Pro- so I redshirted my freshman year. So so my redshirt freshman year, I was I definitely felt like I was better than the starter, and he was struggling, and I they didn't give me the start, and I was pretty upset about it, and and it t- it did. It took me a couple of days. I was you know 19 years old. I was you know, thinking I was the man, and uh, he's playing really bad. So, you know, we missed the bowl game that year. He he didn't have a very good year. He he'd even tell you that. And I I didn't get a start that that whole year. So it was it was tough. So going into that off season, you know, you you go home for Christmas break and you come back for, you know, your off season conditioning and workouts. And I really had to on the way drive back up from uh, Central California up to Oregon. Really, that self monologue, that self dialogue of just like, okay, either, you know, kind of, you know what, or get off the pot. And so I just decided to pull myself, like, you know what, I don't want, I love football, I love Oregon, I I need to make the most of this, and kind of was able to pull myself out of it. Got it. That's great. I think there's, there's just something to it with, you know, there's a lot of people out there that talks about the inner dialogue. Like most, if you want to be successful, you have to have a really good relationship with your thoughts, because... You know, depending on the person you are and depending on what's going on in your life, I mean, there's people that think up to 30,000 thoughts up to a half a million in a day. So if right. there's, you know, wow. and if you can really control those, regardless if it's, you know, in a tough situation or not, but if you know how to control your thoughts, you're going to get, it's going to weather the storm. It's going to allow you to weather the storm, but allow you to get through the hard times. And um, so that's mm-hmm. great that you, you dropped into that mindset. Yeah, no, and it's, it's, uh, you know, I, you know, a lot of things happen for me too. It's not just the football side of it. You know, that's what people don't realize too is, you know, we do football. You're supposed to do football 48, you know, 20 hours a week in college, but it's more than that. But, you know, that's right about the time I met my future wife. And that's about the time that I started, you know, becoming more of a man and more mature and used to living on my own and not being at home. And so that, I mean, there's, there's a lot of factors that go into it. But I definitely think the most important thing that anybody can do is is self-talk. And, you you know, you can beat yourself up, and then and then that's the worst thing you can do. And obviously, you everybody goes through it, and that's what I was doing. I was just like, screw this, and I'm obviously not as good as I think I am, and I guess I can't do it. And then so all of a sudden, you kind of have an epiphany and just be like, you know what, I'm, I'm here for a reason, and I'm going to – do the best I can. And that's when I decided to, you know, really start working hard in the weight room and trying to add some strength and, and 
really started throwing more with the receivers on off days and things like that. So that's what I'm saying. I think it's a combination of the self-talk and the work that can kind of pull you out of uh, some of that self-doubt and, and negative talk. Big time. Uh, big time. I agree. And I was out of curiosity with, you know, out of all the levels that you played throughout your professional career and collegiate career, were you ever, uh, did you ever work with a sports psychologist or a mental performance coach at all? You know, I didn't. Um, I wish I would have, though. Um, I think it would have helped immensely. You know, I, I don't think it was as popular as it is now. You know, this was 20 years ago, and, you know, I retired from <clears throat> professional football 10 years ago. Um, I, but I think it would have been hugely beneficial, and I wish I wish somebody would have recommended it because I totally, you know, I probably would have scoffed and laughed at them in, in the beginning because you think you're invincible. But, right. <laughs> um, I, I totally think it would have helped for sure. I agree. I wish, especially when I was um, playing at Sonoma State, there were just moments where, and especially, uh, you know, being starter and also, you know, being the backup, I went back and forth throughout that whole year. And I just felt alone and I needed, uh, I needed someone to talk to, but I had nobody around. Right. Right. So it would have, it would have been helpful for me as well. Yeah, no. And I think that's, you know, especially you know, you go away. My true freshman year really didn't expect to play, so it wasn't it was it wasn't a athletic thing for me that I had to self talk. It was the it was the social school side of it. You know, I'm from Central California, and then you go to Oregon, and you're sitting in the dorm room, and you have one window, and it rains every single day, and it gets dark at four o'clock, and you're going, what in the world? And then you call home, and your buddies are sitting around the pool and barbecuing, and you're like, what am I doing here? You know, so that. That was more, I think, beneficial for the self-talk and, uh, than anything. And that, I know that's not athletically, but, you know, the social side of it was I really struggled with my true freshman year just because I had uh, such a different, you know, lifestyle right. than I was used to. Exactly. Well, at least, you know, in Oregon, and I know this because I went uh, to Oregon for a quarterback school, I think the year before you got there, but at least, you know, right. pizza, pizzas were $4 and Cokes were 25 cents. So <laughs> kind of weather totally. those, those rainy days. Way cheaper. <laughs> totally. That definitely got gets get you through, right? Big time. Big time. What do you think you learned about yourself, you know, in the moments where you were the backup? Yeah, no, I think you learn a lot because there is a lot of self-reflection. You know, when you're the starter, you've, you've, you've got other things on your mind and you're getting a lot of attention and it's, it's just easier. You know, when you're the backup, you have, there's a lot of self-reflection. There's a lot of self-talk and inner monologue. And that's what we've talked about before. You really do have to stay positive. Um, and I, I, what I learned about myself is that I'm resilient and, and, and I didn't, you know, looking, I didn't think about this when you're in the moment, but, you know, looking back, you know, 10, 15, 20 years later, it's, you know, I, you know, you do have to be resilient. You have to be resilient and, and I, I've, you have to work hard. And if you don't do those two things, you're not going to make it. So, you know, I'm pretty, you know, not to be too boastful, but pretty proud of myself for, for, you know, coming from where I did and, and get, got to the, you know, the highest, you know, was able to play in a Super Bowl, a Rose Bowl, arena bowl. And, and so I'm pretty proud of myself for, for how I've handled those situations. I agree. And, you know, I've, I've obviously played against you and watched you. So to see you mm-hmm. go through all of that is awesome. And you bring up the word resilient, which I love because, you know, if you want to be resilient, you want to be gritty, you want to be mentally tough, mm-hmm. you want to have presence, you want to be confident. I mean, as a backup, the next man up, you have to have all of that if you want, right. to, if you want to be successful. And, and, it's, mm-hmm. and it's really tough 
to have all those things when you don't get all the reps, right? right. And you're thrown in the fire at a moment's notice. So yeah. when it comes to, to like game flow, how hard is it to be a backup quarterback, especially when the team is rocking? There's, there's good flow. You know, the starting quarterback right. is just nails, just hitting it, and then ends up, you know, gets hurt for the rest of the game. How hard is it for a backup quarterback to stabilize that flow or keep it going? Yeah, no, and that's – I'm going to get back to the point I made earlier is, is you really have to prove to the guys during practices and scrimmages that you can get the job done, right? So I've, have, I've had two different situations where it's been different, where my rookie year – they elevated me to be the backup on the eighth game because our backup wasn't playing very well. And the guys were like, who's this rookie? And it's like, you know, I hardly had any reps because I was, you know, doing scout team stuff because I was the third stringer. So I had, I had, didn't have a chance to prove myself like I did when I was at Oregon when I was the backup and came in and everybody was fired up for it. So it was the complete opposite where you have, you, you know, that's a, that was a really tough situation for me because I'm like, oh my gosh, I am this rookie. I've got all these vets. They're looking at me going, okay, what are you going to do here, Rook? So that was the tough one. That's the tough one where you can't get down on yourself. You've got, that's the resilient part of it. That's the part where you have to be like, okay, we're, we're good here, guys. And, you, you know, obviously you're going to talk to them in the huddle and try to pump them up. But then, then you just have to go out and prove it on the field. Big time. A hundred percent. Now, has there ever been a time, like, what was the hardest when you look at playing at Oregon, playing the professional, or playing the NFL, playing World League Arena, what was the hardest part of being number two? Was it in the NFL? Was it... Yeah, so I wasn't really the backup in Arena, thankfully. <laughs> I was kind of the man there, which was kind of nice. Awesome. And then in, uh, in, in you know, the NFL Europe... We, you know, you're, everybody's allocated by a team. I was allocated by the Falcons, and so there were two quarterbacks on the team, and we just split time because it's not fair to either one of us because we're supposed to get reps. So that was pretty easy. the The hardest one was probably the Falcons, and then you know, like I said, that retro freshman year with the Ducks, it was just tough with the Falcons, just because you know you don't have a chance. It wasn't like I had, I uh, was a first round or second round pick. I was a seventh round pick, and so you know, it's not like everybody knew who I was. So. And with the limited reps that I had that first half of the year, you know, they, the first time you go in with, with the starter going down, everybody's kind of looking at you like, Oh, great. Here we go. Get this little rookie quarterback in here. And he's, (laughs) you know, unproven and untested and he's not going to get the job done. Okay, here we go. You know, so it's really important to get off to good starts there just for the fact, not, not for your confidence, obviously for my self-confidence, it's good, but it's for the confidence of the other guys in that huddle. And that's the thing, you know, we saw that with Nick, with Nick Foles in the, with when Carson Wentz goes down with the Eagles, he had already proven to those guys that he could play. We had 27 touchdowns and two picks a couple of years before. So they knew what he could do. So it was an easier transition to get in there and play well, just for the fact that he's already proven it and so the guys have confidence in him which gives him confidence which you know it just it's kind of the snowball effect and obviously you saw what he did right well it just you know you made a great point with Nick Foles there's you know other quarterbacks at least last year was to me was was like the year of the next man up campaign it seemed like with Mm -hmm. Case Keenum Mm -hmm. and Deshaun Foster and it's just um it's it's unreal how these people came in and just and they and they showed up, but right. What, what's interesting, and I, I love for you to share this because I know how complex 
Like playing quarterback is tough, but playing that at the NFL level, the the schemes and learning from week to week right. is tough. So when you're when you're second string and you're third string, you're in the you're in the meeting room with your coach, offense coordinator, and the rest of the quarterbacks. Was there ever a time where it got right. so complex we were like, holy shit, like what what is this? Yeah, no, I mean you, I got to I got to the Falcons and. Um, we ran Dan Reeves' offense, which was Tom Landry's offense. And I'm not joking. I wish I could remember the play call, but our quarterback sneak was 12 words. <laughs> Between formation and protect, whatever. It was 12, for quarter, instead of going in the huddle, okay, guys, quarterback sneak, right. you had 12 words. So, I mean, the verbiage, I mean, and it's and it's like learning a new language. It's like learning, you know, Mandarin or whatever. It's just like you. I opened up the playbook and it's the size of a Manhattan telephone book, and it's like, oh my gosh, I'm never gonna get. I'm like, I'm so overwhelmed right now. I can't even, <laughs> I can't even focus. But that's where the, you know, the work ethic and the extra time spent helps with, you know, being the backup and being the third stringer. And another thing that's tough with the NFL is you are running plays that the starter likes, right? So. Mm. You have, you know, half of the plays are things that he does well. And the other half is just what, you know, this plays that you run and whatever. But half of them are, okay, well, Chris Chandler does this well, so this is what we're going to run. So when you, when you go into a game and he gets hurt, you have plays that he likes, not necessarily that you like or do oh. well. So that's another hard part, too. So it's, there's a lot of balls in the air once you get to that level. It's like, Oh boy, I've, you know, obviously if I start next week, we can put in the stuff I like, but we don't have any of the stuff that I do well or like in the game plan. So I've got to run the things that he does well. So that's also a difficult thing. Right. Well, with that being said, did you ever have any sleepless nights? Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. I remember I started my first game, uh, my rookie year in the NFL and I had had three snaps in the preseason and I had five snaps the week before against the Niners, two handoffs and a screen pass and, or no four handoffs and a screen pass. So I had thrown one pass. I was one for one going into a Sunday night TNT back in the day game against right. the Panthers. And they did, it was the uh, Dom capers three, four zone blitz scheme. Right. And there were guys moving around. I mean, I'm just going, I, what in the world? And I, yeah, it was so in over my head and probably should have never started that game, but we were obviously desperate and right. <laughs> it was that I don't think I slept the whole week. I mean, every time I closed my eyes, I saw Kevin Green coming off the edge, trying to kill me. You know, one of those deals It's just like, oh my gosh, I'm, I, I, I don't know if I'm going to make it. So um, yes, there's definitely a lot of anxiety and, and nervousness and it's, it's, uh, and then you've got your game plan and you've got to memorize and get, get going. So there's, there's a lot of balls in the air. You know, and I'll, I'll share a little, a vulnerable moment because there was a moment when, when I was playing at Sonoma, I only, I think I had almost six weeks to learn the West coast offense, which oh, wow. my whole life, I mean, literally from Pop Warner all the way through high school and junior college, I was, I ran the wing T. So, right, right. right. So, I mean, it <laughs> a little was, bit different. Just a little bit. I was like, oh, just really overwhelmed. I was excited because I might get to throw the ball like 25, 30 some times a game. But, right. But, but then there was moments where, you know, as far as being the next man up, the guy that was in front of me, 
uh, was a great quarterback, but uh, he had staples right. in his shoulder. So, you know, he got tackled one game, and they put me in, and I kind of – I fought – you know, I did okay just kind of holding up the, the game. But it wasn't until sure. the following week where – I'll be honest with you. There was part of the game I was guessing. I it was yeah. There was too much shit coming at me, and I'm like, what? Yeah. I, you know. And it was uh, it was eye opening, very eye opening. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. You see, um, you see guys that go in for the first time, or you know, and you're like, why, why, why did he throw that ball? What did he? <laughs> right. Because stuff is happening so fast, and you're trying to think about what your guys are supposed to do, and then what they're supposed supposed or what they're doing and it's just like oh and they melt down and you hit a you hit a linebacker right between you know the five and the four and it's like <laughs> well at least it was a spiral you know right. it's like <laughs> yeah. so yeah it's it's tough you got to take good out of everything right <laughs> that's right man that's right like, I, I have the uh, i still have a cotton bowl record and uh we played colorado and i have a hundred i feel an interception you know, he returned it 102 yards, and I'm like, that was the best ball I threw all day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love, uh, yeah, I've had, um, actually, worst game of my life was, uh, I was four for 12, uh, four interceptions, two ran back. Boom. Yeah. So you had two tuds? Yeah. Two touchdowns? Hey. Yeah. <laughs> So it's, it's it's all about reframing. So it's all how you look at it, right? Yeah, no, totally, totally, <laughs> totally. Well, you kind of have to. That's the mindset too. I mean, that's uh, you know, I think my first start in the NFL was, was that game. I was four for eighteen and two picks. Thankfully, none for touchdowns. Right. But I got pulled midway through the third, and it's like you know, I could have easily just been like, you know what, I'm out. I'm not good enough. I, I got this. Is it's oh, I'm in over my head. Um, call my agent. Call my wife. Like we're done. But no, it's you gotta. You literally have to just pull yourself up and stay as positive as you can. Coors Light helped after the game. I'm not gonna lie to you, but it's uh, you know. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. It's <laughs> but yeah, you know, you you come back to work the next day and and you watch the film and you try to get better and you just, you really, that's when the self dialogue and the self monologue really, really has to kick in. Absolutely. And I think it's just when we have perspective, when we can step back and breathe and I, and I share this with athletes when I'm, when I'm working with them, it's, you know, this is part of your story. It's part of your journey. And I know it's hard mm -hmm. to see it right now because you're emotional and you're in it. But when you look at someone like Case Keenum, who mm -hmm. has been, you know, back and forth with some teams, it was third string the guy just never gave up, and right, and is and the, so there's not only is there a cool story behind it, and you're actually you can be an author of that cool story, but there's also opportunities when you when you feel like you want to quit, it's right. like don't quit because you you have a, an opportunity to write your own comeback story. Sure, you know, sure. yeah, no, and that's that, and, and I wish I would have talked to somebody like you back in the day because that's tough. I mean, when you're in the thick of it, you can't see anything else, mm -hmm. and when you're passionate about something and you care about something and then it becomes your job and you just, you want to be the best you can be. It's tough to kind of do take that step back and, and try to put it all in perspective. But you know, it's, it's, you know, we're such, uh, especially athletes are suckers for the moment and, and not <laughs> right. being able to, to figure things out and go, you know, okay, it's, it is part of the story, you know, yep. let's just, let's take a breath and instead of like, you know, melting down. Yeah. Gripping the bat, right? Totally. Yep. Well, when you, when you look back in the Arena League, because I think in 2005, uh, at that time, you were the highest paid player in the league. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. when, you, when you look at your journey and your story, 
and all the things you had to go through, did you feel like, explain to me like how you felt when you were, when you were deemed the, the highest paid player in the league? Yeah, no, I mean, that's uh, it's obviously a big ego boost. It's, it's, uh, I, I love that game. The arena game was awesome. I uh, love the guys I played with. It suited me because it's, it's, uh, a lot about timing and accuracy. And that's two of the things that I felt like I did very well. Um, and so, yeah, you do, um, it's weird. You know, it's like when you're down, you, you get, you can get even more down when you're up, you can get even more up. You know, right. I had so much confidence. I had so much confidence. Everybody, uh, had so much confidence in me. The other team I could tell was kind of scared of me because they knew what I could do. And, you know, that just actually helps you play better. It's, it's kind of a weird, maybe, maybe just me, but it just kind of elevated my game to another level. Once I got kind of the status, it was, it was easier for me to, you know, do the things I could knew I could do, but even to another level. Mm. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. You know, you know, once I, you know, my second, about the middle of my second year in arena, I started to feel that, and then by the third, I was I felt like I was in was kind of voted the best player in the league. So it was wow. it was it was good to to hear and feel that because not only your teammates going, all right, we've got Graz, we're always we always have a chance, and you could tell you can feel the the defense and the other team going, dude, we can't stop this guy, you know. So it's. <laughs> It's a pretty cool feeling. Absolutely. I mean, I was just thinking about, like, how cool would that be for them to, you know, if I'm playing a team and they're saying that about me. You know, that's yeah, a no, great feeling. Really, really cool. Yeah. Great feeling. Well, when you look at all of your next man up moments and, and being backups, all those moments that you experienced, how do you think they affected your life now or prepared you for life? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Football has taught me so much about life and business and work and relationships. I mean, just everything, you know, just dealing with coworkers now. I mean, I, I do an in, uh, insurance. So if anybody needs insurance, give us uh, your insurance a call. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll plug. Oh, hey, I love it. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, you know, just dealing with, just dealing with uh, everyday life. I mean, it just t- teaches you so much about, like you said, resilience. It teaches you so much about self-confidence and self-talk it helps with my relationships with my kids and my wife, you know, cause it, life is, life is not easy. Life is, there's going to, there's always going to be bumps in the road. And like I said, in the beginning, it's not, it's not what happens to you. It's how you, it's how you respond to it. Yeah. And being the backup has helped me, uh, or being a backup in the past has helped me just deal with, you know, life isn't always, just going to be roses and like easy and the starter it's, it's going to be tough and things aren't going to go your way. And it's, it's how you, it's how you deal with that is, is um, kind of makes you who you are. Yeah, I agree 100%. And, and, be, and before we close up here, you know, I love asking this question. You know, if, if you're working with a young quarterback, whether if it's in high school or I don't care what level it is, you know, collegiate right. or at the pros, what would you say to them if you see someone that's struggling being that, that second string quarterback? Yeah, actually, I coach high school football up here, and I'm the quarterback coach. And uh, I've had uh, obviously backups that felt that they were, you know, should be playing. And I just try to tell them that all they can do is put their head down and keep working and staying positive, and don't get down on yourself because there's going to come a time when you're going to get a chance, and when you get that chance, you want to be ready. And so, 
you know, see, especially with high school kids, you know, uh, you know, they have that men, you know, right now mentality. So it's like, I can't, I can't see next year. I know he's the starter as a senior and I'm a sophomore and I have two more years, but I want to play now. It's so it's tough to, it's tough to kind of convey to them that, yeah, no, you got to get your reps and you've got to do well in practice and you've got to stay on top of it because if you do get in, you've, again, you've got to prove to the guys that you can play and you've got to prove to the coach that you can play. And then more importantly, and probably most importantly, is you've got to t- convince yourself and you've got to prove to yourself that you can do it. You know, talk is cheap, I tell them. You know, yeah. I, I think I'm better. Well, show me. I don't, don't tell me you're better. Show me you're better. And, and prove to me you're better. Don't do, don't just talk the talk. You've got to go out and actually physically do it. And you know, and it, it's it's you know, I, I coach with uh, Drew Bledsoe up here, the old Patriot, oh, the yeah. old quarter, uh, cowboy quarterback, <laughs> and he obviously has a way different story than I do. So he's the offensive coordinator, and I'm the quarterback coach. So I'm I'm his backup coaching. So that's what I tell him. Like, hey, I'm Drew's backup right now when calling plays. So you've got to help the quarterback be and be a good quarterback or a good backup quarterback so it's it's kind of an easier story to tell just because it's like hey i know you're struggling and i know you want to play and i know all this but you know i'm helping drew because he's the starter he because he's calling the plays well you are the backups you got to help the starter because that's only going to help you get better and especially if you do have to play because you're going to be mentally prepared right and and even if for whatever reason, if what if Drew gets really really sick and can't make it to the game? Right, right. Mm-hmm. Then you're you're, you're the well, man. Well, that's the thing. Or or he he he. Uh, you know, say on Tuesday he's got to go somewhere, and I've got to I've got to run practice. I've got to be I've got to be prepared because you guys will know. You got the kid. The kids will know first that if a coach isn't prepared, so you've always got to constantly stay mentally in the game. Always, always. That's a great point. Man, I, I love this. I love this for so many reasons because I love this topic. And I love it that you are vulnerable with your story and certain parts of your story because, you know, I would love for, again, I don't care what level you're at, whether if you are a quarterback or you're just an athlete, you know, listening mm-hmm. to these stories, you know, it's, you know, you don't have to be perfect. And actually, I don't want anybody to be perfect. Uh, sure. You know, the only time I want you to be perfect is when you're visualizing yourself. But or visualizing your performance, but this is this is raw and real, and and I'm and I'm happy and I'm so grateful for you to share that story because I hope a lot of people get some value of kind of not only going through the struggle but embracing the right. struggle of being a backup and how important it is to be prepared at a moment's notice. Yeah, no doubt. No, I appreciate you having me and brought up some good memories and yeah, no, you know the, the self reflection and looking back is 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 good. Because you know, you still, I still have down days, and like, oh my gosh, and I'm, uh, something happened, and it's like, wait a minute, hold on, you've, you've, you, you know, you've been through, you've been through worse, and and if even if it's not worse, it's you're still gonna get through it, and it's that self-talk that uh, that's really helped me, um, not only in sports but in life. Right. Absolutely. I, I call that horribleizing when people get so stuck in like, mm-hmm. oh my God, oh my God, it's, it's right. not, you know, stop talking about all everything. <laughs> stop talking about everything yeah, being so like, horrible. Yeah. Totally. Awesome. Totally. Well, hey man, again, this is awesome. You know, this, this is actually kind of a treat for me because uh, to have another quarterback on the show and talking shop and obviously someone who we, we played against in high school. So it was kind of fun to have you on my show. Right. So thanks again for being yeah. here. Yeah. Thanks Grant. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, you bet. It was fun.